Welcome to The Last Word on the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Every week we take a last look at the message from the most recent Crosstalk. Enjoy this short conversation and stay tuned for the full message directly after. Good morning and welcome to The Last Word. My name is Johnny and I'm joined here today with JD. Good to be here this morning. And Cameron. Also good to be here. Very nice. How was y'all's Halloween? It was good. It was a lot of fun. We didn't have as many kids come by our house for candy as we did last year. It was kind of disappointing. Taylor and I always sit out on Uh the front porch and hand out candy. And then it was like, man, there were so few people who came by. Last year, it was like impossible because we just, there was no way to buy enough candy. And this year it was like, hopefully it all disappears. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was good. I watched a movie with some crosstalk people at the app theater. And uh, we don't have trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood, really. So... (laughs) You know, JD, I'm sorry. I wish that we got all the crosstalk people together and just raided your house and <laughs> stole all you <laughs> candy. It. That would have been hilarious. Only if you guys dressed up, though. Yeah. Ooh. Missed yeah. opportunity. I know. What are we doing, Johnny? Wait till next year. <laughs> next year. Hopefully next you year. forget about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So on Thursday um, at Sewell, which is pretty cool, JD, you mm-hmm. talked about how God is slow to anger. Mm-hmm. So this first question, I won't lie to y'all, is a little complicated and deep, but it was something that just like was sitting on um, what I was thinking of when this topic came up so much. So I really would like to discuss it. So I want to talk about our human relationship with anger. And so we know that we ha- it's okay to have this feeling, this like emotional response to you know, feel angry, but it's when we act out in this emotion that it can quickly become sinful, you know, like me slapping someone that I'm angry at. But sometimes it can get a little blurry um, with the mm. cases. And so I was wondering, is it always a sin when we act out in this anger? Or do you all think it just depends on the case and like what we do? Mm. I think it, that's, a, that's a good question. I do think that the Bible does define that there is righteous anger. Mm. Um, and that is when we are upset at the things that upset God. And so yeah. we one of the things that we didn't get into last Thursday, just because we don't have enough time and it's a bit of a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. is what are the things that make God angry? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could go through and really you could do like a, a study of that throughout the scriptures and you could find a, and get a pretty good picture at what upsets God, what, what yeah. makes him angry. And, and very basically, I think that we see that really... God does get angry and he's moved by injustice mm-hmm. that our human um, propensity to bring about the suffering and violence and oppression of other people is what moves God to anger. So when we become angry about those things, that is a righteous sort of anger. But the Bible also tells us, be angry, but do not sin. Mm-hmm. And so there's this distinction between feeling the emotion and our reaction out of the emotion. And most of the time, if we're being honest, we can get angry about the right thing, Mm -hmm. but we Mm -hmm. act in ways that are not righteous. We do things that are sinful when we become angry. And so that's, I think, the important distinction that we need to make is it's okay to become angry. It's what do we do when we become angry? Do we act out in ways that that hurt others, that bring about the suffering of others, that mm-hmm. harm others? Or are we acting in ways that bring about love and mercy and grace and justice um, as God's representatives, his images here on earth? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yes. I think going off of that, um, it's important to also be in communion and relationship with the Lord, asking him like, 
teach me how to righteously be angry because in our natural mm-hmm. ways, we don't know how to do that. And I think of, uh, um, there's a verse that says, um, earthly sorrow leads to death, but godly sorrow leads to repentance. And I kind of think about that with anger a little bit too. Like this earthly anger, lashing out, sinning, that leads to death because all sin leads to death. But a godly kind of anger leads to to righteousness. And um I, I think about too, because we're we're not called to never be angry. We're called to be slow to anger. And there is a mm-hmm. distinction there. And I think it takes discernment to know when, how, why, and really just asking God to teach you how to have this righteous anger, to be angry, to to hurt for the things that hurt the Lord. But I think that takes that that discernment to ask him and, and walk with him because he wants us to go to him about those kinds of things as well. Yeah. Great answers, y'all. That was that was very well done. So second one, a little more lighthearted, a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, here, before you get into that, yes. I want to add in here, if you read the book of James, mm-hmm. it says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And right. I think that that should be the defining character of our own anger. And yeah. that is what God calls us to do. That's what James calls us to do is to be quick to listen, yeah. slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that sets us up in a place where we can have the discernment that you're talking about, Cam. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just had that no, thought right as you started talking, I so have, I apologize. I have one more thought as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and also one thing that we can rest in is the cross where all justice was served. And so I think in our minds, we can try to yeah. take justice upon ourselves when it's really just like us masking that and it's really revenge and us trying to be the judge and the God. But one thing that I rest in if I am quick to become angry in certain situations is like, okay, you know, all justice was served on the cross for all the things of this world that I'm angry with. Yeah. And if I don't know how to be angry at those in the right way, the Lord does and the Lord has served justice and he's in control, he's sovereign and he knows what he's doing with everything about that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I always want to be the one with the gavel to be like, "Ah, you're wrong. Here's what I'm going to do about it. (laughs) Exactly. That's our own human tendency to become the judge, right? And what we see here is that it's really easy to become the judge when we feel like we've been wronged or that we're angry at the things that God is angry at. But what if we flip that on Mm ourselves? And when it applies to us, when it applies to us, we're like, oh my gosh, I hope that God has patience with me, that God is slow to anger Mm -hmm. with me. And I think that that needs to be the defining thing is we first think about this personally and say that, gosh, I'm so grateful that God is gracious enough with me that he is slow to anger with me, which yeah. then means that I am slow to anger with others. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, it's good. So can y'all think of a time that God was slow to anger with you, like practically? And how did you learn, like, what did you understand from his response to being like slow to anger with you? Mm. Um, I know for me, there have been certain sin struggles in my life that yeah. were years long battles where it wasn't this like overnight thing where I um, turned it over to the Lord and suddenly like, I didn't struggle with that thing anymore. And it'd be very easy from a human point of view if we were in a human relationship to continue to be upset by somebody struggling with something that directly affects us in our relationship with them. Mm -hmm. But we see that God is patient with us. And that is something that I turn to all the time when Mm -hmm. I have the propensity to do something that, wow, that was not the right thing. And I, and I recognize it's not the right thing. Praise the Lord that he has patience with me. And that, and I think that that 
gives us hope then in the midst of uh, maybe habitual sin or addiction or things of that nature, where it's really hard to break those cycles, Mm -hmm. is that God is patient with us Mm -hmm. and he's long suffering with us as we are like transformed more and more into his image, which doesn't happen overnight. Right. Mm Um, I think we and and me too specifically have a habit to car- to compartmentalize our relationship with God. Like, okay, my relationship with the Lord is for Sundays, or when I go to this gathering, or when I feel like it. But it's not for if I'm going to to practice. If I'm not, if I'm at work, and I think for me specifically, when I was younger and um, struggled with this a lot more, um, and in high school, there were times where like I would go to church and I was like, okay, like. God and I would make him the center for just that one day. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back, I would go to school or I would go to rehearsal and I would just like all that would leave. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say like okay, but God is for Sundays or like God is for this, but over here I can do what I want. And I was just like, but grace, it's all under the blood and I really fell into that deception and I just thank God that he taught me and showed me that grace is so much more than just doing what you want and then calling it forgiven under the blood, which is amazing because like God does forgive mm-hmm. and he is just that good. But I, I just praise him that I can now walk with him and I understand, I'm beginning to understand more what it means to have real genuine relationship with him. And he was slow to anger and he was patient with me in those moments. And he didn't lash out partly because, well, all, all because he's good, but also because he drew me in and into that relationship. Yeah. It wasn't just, I'm not a behavior robot. It wasn't just like do better. Um, mm-hmm. for the sake of no relationship with that. But he loved me, he was patient with me, and he taught me things so that I could walk with him in the deepest relationship mm-hmm. possible. Yeah, that's really good. And for me, it was just times when I would, uh, I don't know, see people that are not Christian and I would judge them. And then in those moments, God was, you know, slow to anger with me because like clearly throughout the Bible, he's like, don't judge others. Mm-hmm. You know, take the plank out of your own eye when you look at the speck in someone else's. And in that response, I've seen that like God has softened my heart um, because like he didn't, you know, judge and get angry at me. And so then I then in response, I'm like able to love others how he's called me to yeah. um, just out of recognizing his uh, slowness to anger with me. So being slow to anger is hard. It's really hard. Um, so what are just some like practical like tips and tricks that y'all have, uh, whether they're like from the Bible or just like personally, these have helped you? Absolutely. I I go back to, and we talked about this a bit on Thursday, but we can expound on it a little bit more here. Um, I really do think that the way that the King James Version translates this as not slow to anger, but long suffering, that has transformed in a very practical way, the way that I am slow to anger with others. Because when I'm suffering and when I feel like I've been wronged or I feel like I've been hurt, I'm not getting angry. I'm not lashing out. I'm being patient even though I've been wronged. And this is the opposite of our our human nature, but that's what makes this so remarkable is that when we learn that God is patient with us, we can then become long-suffering with others. I, I think of the amount of relationships that I've been in in my life where it took some patience. It took being slow to anger. It took being long suffering with somebody Mm -hmm. because they had hurt me or they had uh, done things that were wrong. And it was only through my ability to uh, be patient with them that they came to see that for themselves, you know? And so when we embody um, this long suffering mentality, 
that allows us to really be like an agent for God's kingdom here in the world because mm-hmm. we are embodying who God is with us. And when we demonstrate that to other people, mm-hmm. there's something profound that begins to happen because I do think that sometimes our view of God is this angry, vengeful God. And when they see somebody who is not like that, it begins to, they begin to ask questions. Well, what's different about God? That God could actually be patient with me, that God could be slow to anger, that God is gracious to me. And I think it points to the two characteristics that we've been talking about so far, that God is compassionate and God is gracious. Those two things are on full display when we are slow to anger with others. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal something from Taylor Abaroa that she has taught. Um, and I actually have it as my phone wallpaper right now, just oh, because nice. I think it's like that practical and that helpful. Um, but it's a four-step little kind of process. But the first thing in response to when our natural inclination is to want to lash out in anger is to stay calm. Um, just take a deep breath and don't make, you You have the decision. Don't make the, de- the decision to become angry in that moment yeah. um, in the wrong way. Um, the next one is gain understanding. So ask yourself, like, why am I wanting to become angry right now? What's the situation around me? How is this other person feeling? Can I ask them how they're feeling? Why they are acting this way? How can I get to know their heart better? So again, understanding, the next thing is do the right thing. Um, Mm -hmm. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us that shows us what the right thing is. And if we don't know, again, we can ask God and um, He's faithful to show us. So do the right thing. And the next is just stay the course. Um, We have a race that we're running and it's not a sprint. It's not um, you can jump lanes and like start running another direction. Stay the course. Um, and just keep running and hold fast to what you know is the truth and um, how God has shown you to love people and how he calls us to love people. Um, being patient, slow to anger, the long suffering. And I think the biggest one that I like in this little uh, process is gain understanding. Um, and I like that because we can then get to ask people, get to know people better, get to know their story, why they are the way that they are, why they feel the way that they feel. And I think when we ask questions and have those curiosities mm-hmm. rather than just becoming angry or becoming frustrated, yeah. like our first instinct is to, I think it creates more of that relationship. I think it creates a more empathetic relationship with that person. And we have a great priest who's able to sympathize with us, um, with all of our situations. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, because he sympathizes and empathizes with us and has compassion on us, we can extend that compassion to other people. Um, So that four-step process, and then I guess my biggest emphasis is ask questions, be curious. Right, when we humanize people, it becomes easier to become patient and slow to anger, right? Because then they're not the object of something that has hurt me, but they are are a person who has lived experience and and all of this background and these things that have formed them. And when we get to understand those things, Mm -hmm. wow, that transforms the way that we look at them. It's They become people first and not Mm -hmm. a frustration (laughs) first, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Thanks for those tips and tricks, y'all. And I just hope that whoever's listening can really dive into the word because when you're just daily, you know, listening to who Jesus is and uh, just what he has for us and the truth in this world, I think that becomes easier, at least for me, to be mm-hmm. slower to anger and to have a better perspective on the situation that, yeah, I, how you said it, it's a long suffering and how, you know, um, I believe it's like in Mark 10, Jesus talks about, you know, to be a leader, you then become greater of a servant, you know, mm-hmm. how like yeah. Jesus, who is the epitome and the leader of 
history, he, you know, washed Judas's feet, who he knew was going to, you know, betray him. And I just think that's the greatest uh, way of just being slow to anger and being a servant and loving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, JD, would you like the last word? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in the cross, we see that our life tells us a story of divine patience. Like God was patient with us, past tense. And when we wanted nothing to do with him, when we treasured our own lifestyle, when we scarcely gave him a thought, God is patient with us now as we daily screw up and find need for forgiveness. And God will be patient with us tomorrow and the next day until the end. And and I think that that's a really powerful reminder that this is an attribute at the core of who God is. Not that he becomes angry, but that he is slow to anger, that he is patient with us. And so this upcoming week, we're going to hop into the fourth of five character attributes about God that God declares about himself in Exodus chapter 34. And we're going to talk about one that's been uh, like historically very difficult to translate. And that is that God is abounding in love. And there's like, how is that difficult to translate? But the Hebrew word for love, hesed, is notoriously uh, difficult to find a singular word in English to convey. And so if you guys were to read your English translation, it might say a whole bunch of different things. It might say mercy or loving kindness or unfailing love or steadfast love. And we're gonna really drill down on what the essence of this word is. And ultimately hesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by this sense of deep personal care, which is why the, why we most often refer to this as loyal love. And so we'll talk about what does it mean that God demonstrates loyal love to us, his beloved creatures. So hope you guys can join us this upcoming week and we will see you on Thursday. God is talking with Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, and we've explored pretty extensively the context for this interaction between God and Moses, and we've jumped into two of the five attributes. So far, we've talked about the fact that God is compassionate, and that God is gracious. That God is compassionate, and God is gracious. And what we saw is that we is that God's compassion is this heartfelt response to the pain and suffering of his people. Compassion, in the sense of God, is this heartfelt response to the pain and suffering of his people. And we saw that God is gracious towards us in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. That God is gracious towards us, not because of ourselves, but in spite of ourselves. Meaning that God continues to pursue us and say yes to us, not because of what we've done, but because it is in his character to do so. And these first two characteristics that God uses to describe himself are kind of nice. They give me the warm fuzzies inside, and they're very, like, comforting attributes. And today, the third attribute that we will talk about is a little bit different. Today, we're going to explore the idea that God is slow to anger. That God is slow to anger. So I just kind of want to hop right into it this evening. Exodus 34, 6 says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, this verse is designed as a chiasm. And a chiasm is just a really fancy word for a type of literary device. It's just a type of literary device that's seen oftentimes in ancient writing. And so, 
The basic idea is this. An idea is presented, and then it's repeated in a reverse order. An idea is presented, then it's repeated in a reverse order, and it's, there's this mirror effect that highlights the most important points of the text. So what we see in this verse is that two things are repeated and mirrored in the opposite direction, and what sits in the very middle is the most important. You guys can think of it like a sandwich. This is probably the easiest way to think about this. You have the bread on the bottom. And this is good stuff. It's a, it's a really important part of a sandwich, especially if you're not just going with like white bread. Right now in our house, we've got the Asiago cheese bread. And so it is some really good stuff. It adds flavor. It's an important piece of the sandwich. But then you have the meat and the cheese in the middle. That's what's the most important part about the sandwich. That's what gives it everything that we hope for when we make ourselves a sandwich. And then you wrap it up with another slice of bread on top. And again, those slices of bread are both good and they're crucial parts of the sandwich, but it's what's in the middle that really is defining whether this thing is something you want to eat or something that you're just eating because you're hungry and it's the only stuff you found around your house. So I've broken it down for us here on a slide so that we can see it clearly. Okay, so what we've got here is we start with the Lord, the Lord. Now this is just God's name. So if you were to read this in Hebrew, it would be Yahweh, Yahweh. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now when we break it out this way, you guys can really see the literary device that's taking place. The first two are a pair. And we've talked about those, compassionate and gracious. And then the last two are, are a pair, abounding in love and faithfulness. And those two pairs of attributes surround one character trait that's in the center. It consists of two words, well, two words in Hebrew, and that is slow to anger. Slow to anger. And what this intentional structure tells us is that there's something unique or special about this center attribute, that there is something different about God being slow to anger that distinguishes, distinguishes it from the rest of them. The first two, compassionate and gracious, these are a conceptual pair, meaning that they're related to one another. They're similar in nature. They're in addressing this emotional response to being deeply moved to the core of God's being and then graciously being generous as a result. And then loyal love, or abounding in love, is the way that this translation puts it, is an important pair with faithfulness, because both of them have to do with loyalty and reliability. They're similar in nature, and then slow to anger sits at the center, because it's the only one that is different. You could say that it's stating uh, something that's secondary. It's addressing something about how God responds. And there's something unique about God being slow to anger that is different from the rest of these character attributes. God being slow to anger has this interesting implication. And that is that God becomes angry. God becomes angry. He wouldn't say that he was slow to anger if God does not become angry. Now, anger is not an attribute of God. It is a reaction of God. Meaning that anger is not a central character quality of God, but it is a response from God to what is happening in the world 
And this is found for us in the surrounding narrative. So let's look back at the context of this proclamation that God makes about himself, and let's explore this a little bit more. In Exodus, we're told that Moses goes back up on the mountain, back up to Mount Sinai, after the people of Israel agree to the terms of the covenant relationship with God. So he goes up, and we're told that he's gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And during this time, the people become impatient. They believe that Moses has died, that something has happened to him. And so they decide to create this new way for them to mediate their needs to God. So they create this golden calf for them to worship. And so let's pick up the story here in Exodus chapter 32. And it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. In other words, these are stubborn people. Now, therefore, let me alone. Give me rest that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great condition of you. What we see in verse 10 is that God becomes angry. God becomes angry. He tells Moses, leave me alone so that my wrath, my anger may burn hot against the people of Israel. The implication is that he is going to destroy them. He's going to wipe them from the face of the earth. And what he's going to do is he's then going to start over with Moses. He says, I'll just make a great nation out of you. I don't need these people anymore. And we see this sort of reaction throughout the Old Testament. God becomes angry with his covenant partners because they have broken the terms of the covenant. The people of Israel do things that are evil. They perpetuate violence against one another. They bring about human suffering. They disobey and they rebel against God. And that is an incredibly uncomfortable reality for us to come to terms with. That God becomes angry. That God becomes angry, or at least it makes me very uncomfortable. The first two character attributes of God compassionate and gracious. Those are the things that I want to cling to. Those are the things that I want to hold on to. And yet, we see that God does become angry. Now the problem when we isolate passages of God's anger and we take them out of the context of the biblical narrative is that we end up with this distorted view of God. We actually talked about this last week, where we come to believe that God is simply this angry, vengeful God, and he's just ready to smite us when we do wrong. I was going through and I was studying these instances of God's anger throughout the Old Testament, and if you were to just pick verse after verse, verse after verse after verse, you could just come up with this big, long list, and you're going to get this really disproportionate view of who God is. You're going to come to believe that he is like the angry parent who just waits to discipline his children. This is one of the main obstacles to people liking the God of the Bible, much less believing in him. They struggle to come to terms with this idea that God becomes angry. 
Because, well, God just can't be like that. That doesn't make sense. God can't be loving and act in this way towards his creation. Now, this week, I, I was reading something from a guy named Abraham Heschel, who is a scholar that really, really helped me in thinking about this. He says, the Old Testament never portrays God's anger as something that cannot be accounted for, something that's unpredictable or irrational. It is never a spontaneous outburst, but a reaction occasioned by the conduct of humans and motivated by concern for right and wrong. The God is not this unpredictable, emotional being. It's just vengeful and spiteful, but it's a reaction occasioned because of the conduct of of us as human beings and our propensity to do wrong, to harm one another. In other words, anger is a pattern of God's behavior in response to human evil. Anger is a response due to human evil. I've been pondering this for, for several days now. And I've come to believe that I don't want an indifferent God that is unmoved by injustice or doesn't react to things that are evil. I don't want a God like that, who just allows evil to take place and sits back and doesn't do anything about it. Instead, I want a God who, who is moved by those things, who is emotional about those things, who gets angry and frustrated when injustice and evil take place, and I want God to act in ways that protect and redeem his people, people created in his image. The implication of this is that God, who is truly good, sometimes becomes angry. God, in his goodness, becomes angry with human injustice and violence here in the world. Now, the main point of this story in Exodus chapter 32 is not that God gets angry. But what we see in Exodus chapter 34 is that God is slow to anger. God is slow to anger. And this really defines what God is deciding to hold back in his response of anger in this moment. That he would be fully justified in carrying out his plan against these people, and yet we see that he is slow to anger. If we keep reading in Exodus, Moses goes before God and he intercedes on behalf of the people of Israel. And God relents of what he was going to do. He's slow to anger. Now, the King James Version of the Bible, which I guarantee almost none of us read anymore, translates this in a really interesting way. They translate this attribute of God as long-suffering. Long-suffering. And this is a really great way of conceptualizing this concept. It gets at this idea that God is patient with us even when it pains him. God is patient with us even when it pains him. We as humans are the exact opposite. We are quick to pain. We're not long-suffering. We're quick to anger. If you think about the reason that we get angry, it's typically because we have this definition of what is right and wrong, and then somebody fails to meet our expectation of right and wrong. And we suffer 
because of it. And we feel like things are worse off as a result of the way that somebody has treated us. In other words, we all have a fairness quotient. We all have this definition of what is fair and right in the world. And when we run into somebody who doesn't share the same fairness quotient as us, we get upset and we get angry and we get hurt by those things. Because it seems unfair. Because it seems unfair. So this idea of long-suffering is interesting because while you're suffering, while you're hurting, while you are pained, you're not getting angry about it. You're not lashing out. Instead, you're being patient even though you've been hurt and you've been wronged by someone else. And that's what makes this attribute of God so incredible. What the God of the Bible wants us to see is that, yes, he gets angry at evil and violence and human suffering, but what at, at the core of his character is how he responds. And that is with patience. God is slow to anger with us. For years, I lived with a foot in two worlds. When I got to college, I lived with a foot in two worlds. In one world, I had said yes to Jesus. I said that I wanted to follow him. So all of the external stuff I did, I went to church, was part of a community group, I was being discipled by somebody. But at the same time, I had another foot in this other world where I partied and I chased relationships with women and I chased whatever I believed and thought would make me happy. That would give my life meaning and value. And I lived my life ultimately according to my own desires with no regard for God. I tiptoed the line between following God and wanting to rule my own life. And in that respect, God had every right to be angry with me. God had every right to be upset with me if the word anger kind of offends us at our core. God had every right to be upset with me because I was just disrespecting him by giving him lip service. Saying, God, I want to follow you in my life. God, what you want is what I want. But in all reality, my life didn't demonstrate that at all. If we think about this in the terms of a human relationship, it becomes clear that this is not how relationships work. It's not how relationships work at all. If I told Taylor when we were dating, that I loved her, that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her, that I wanted to, to devote myself to her. But then I went out and I did those exact same things. I partied, I drank too much, I pursued other girls, I did whatever I wanted to do regardless of her, irrespective of her. She would have been angry and she would have been gone a long, long time ago. And it's this attribute of God as being patient with us, as being slow to anger, that comes out in a very vivid way when we view it in the context of human relationships. That every time we fail to live the way that God calls us to live, he doesn't turn and walk away, but instead he pursues us and he says yes to us. He is long-suffering because he is patient with us. And I think back on my story, and 
And I think back on, on how many times I said no to God. And I can only be grateful that he was patient with me. He didn't get angry. He didn't lash out. He was slow to anger even though I continued to walk another way. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 5. He says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, We've now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now are we reconciled. Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God for our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. When Paul speaks of the cross, he in no way places God's anger at the forefront. But what we see is that Jesus, in dying on the cross, took God's wrath for all of humanity. That's what Paul wants us to see. God's anger towards our sinfulness, Jesus bore himself in dying on the cross. We come to realize the cross is a demonstration not of God's anger, but of God's great love and patience for us. God's slowness to anger is his intentional allowance of time for more people to come to salvation in Christ Jesus. God's patience with us is this intentional allowance of time so that more people may say yes to him for the very first time. Jesus ultimately fulfills and reveals the true nature of God's anger. At the cross, God's anger and God's love meet together to rescue humans and provide them life on the other side of death. It's remarkable. It's, a, it's an amazing picture of God's patience with us. Now, it's easy for us to find ourselves agreeing with God's anger towards those people we think ought to be judged. It's really easy for us to walk around in our life and be okay with God's anger towards those we think should be judged. Those we think that are living their life for all wrong. Those who we disagree with politically. Those who have hurt us in some remarkable, traumatic way. We believe that those people should be judged. It's like in football where the guy jumps on the pile late on the play. That's the kind of people that we are when it comes to God. Yeah, get, get him. Like, and then you just kind of want to jump on the top of the pile there at the very end. But when we find ourselves complicit somehow, we hope that God will be patient and slow to anger with us. The Bible shows us that is exactly who God is. That God is patient with all of humanity. And when we really begin to internalize and understand that God is slow to anger with us, we then in turn can be slow to anger with others. When we want to reenact that scene from the very first Avengers movie where the Hulk just takes Loki and just like throws him back and forth 
you know, with our roommate who continues to leave their dishes in the sink a week after. Or maybe we've invited the same friends to the Crosswalker community group for, for semesters now. And now we're just officially hurt by the fact that they continue to say no. Instead, we demonstrate patience and long-suffering with those people. We have more opportunities to step up into the intended role that God has for us as his partners because God is patient with us. We get to become agents of change for the kingdom of God in this world because God is patient with us. And this week, I would encourage you to begin to look at your own story through this lens. How has God been slow to anger with you? How has God been patient with you in your life? How has God been long-suffering with us? In Christ, your life tells a story of divine patience. Because God was patient with you when you wandered far from him, saying no to him, saying yes to our own sinful desires, and scarcely giving him or his gospel any thought at all. God is patient with us every day as we daily find need for forgiveness. And God will be patient with you tomorrow and the day after until Jesus comes back again. We finally, finally finishes the work that he has become. Allow that reality to season how you are slow to anger with others. Allow that to become central to how we know and we understand God and begin to live out of that center. This is an attribute that is at the core who God is. Not that he becomes but that he is slow to end. And that patience really demonstrates his love for us in a remarkably profound way. The patience of God is an open hand. It's an open door. It is a pathway home for us. It comes to us not to condemn us or to allow us to continue to walk in our sin all the more, but it turns us around back towards God shows us who he is. It asks us to seek the Lord again and again every day. Whether after a miserable screw-up or simply a regrettable moment in our lives, whoever and wherever we are, God's patience invites us to experience his love in a profound way. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you, Jesus. That God, even when we find things in your scripture that are uncomfortable, that are difficult for us to understand, or, or things that might even offend us, God, we thank you that you lead us deeper into an understanding of who you are and who and how much you love us. As easy it is as it is for us to, to fall back on your compassion or your grace. Jesus. It is also central to who you are that you are slow to anger with us, that you are patient with us. And so, God, we thank you for your patience, Jesus. Because in little ways, day after day, our tendency is to continue to turn away from you and to go our own way. And so, God, we thank you that you continue to say yes to us, even when we say no to you. God, we pray that that reality that you are that you are long-suffering, would be central to our own 
identity out of that sense that God made to be people who are patient with others. People who suffer with others. People who are slow to anger with others. And may that be a demonstration in a profound way of your love and your compassion and your grace for us. Jesus, we love you. We pray all of this in your name.